You've reached the Onkin Radio Podcast. Nick Onkin here, exploring the world from creativity, consciousness, and everything in between to help you alchemize your life to its fullest expression. What is up, my friends? Nick Onkin here for another Onkin Radio Podcast episode. And this one is a little continuation of my conversation with Eleven last week or the last episode. If you haven't heard that one, we talk about their transition, transitioning into a non-binary being and what that was like personally for for them and the the alchemy that's had to happen going through that transition. And uh, Eleven is a dear friend of mine and we've gone through a lot of different spaces in, in our lives and we're creative cohorts, collaborators, and so many things. They've been a muse for me and my photography and the Onken hats as well. And just such an all-around, and even spiritually and personally, such a, and it's all blended together. And uh, we decided to do a an episode talking about blurring the lines between the muse and the artist as we've explored beyond friendship and alchemized through things and have remained friends and have decided that that's you know, where we play best at this point. And as our friendship deepens, we wanted to share with you that journey. And and as we moved through it a a few months ago and what it's like to create together, especially with photography. And as you can, if you look at some of our, we'll post it on on the Instagrams, but you'll see a lot of our collaborations together that way. So another, another little note, I've been talking a lot about identity alchemy as it relates to the personal brand. And I've, I've been helping entrepreneurs build their personal brands through photography and graphics and, and, and visuals. And through that has come the Identity Alchemy course that we're coming out with here in a few weeks. So if you want to jump on that and learn more about how you can build your personal brand with congruence from the inside out, that's what the course is all about and how to deploy your assets across your brand, things like that. We'll be doing a beta beta run. So if you want to get in early, just uh, hit me up on Instagram, DM me at Nick Onkin. You can DM me the words identity alchemy, and I'll put you on the list to stay tuned for further things coming. Also, if you haven't seen the... uh, Onken hats. Uh, they're custom hats that I've been doing for, for people. And uh, at Onken Hat on Instagram, it's a new endeavor of mine and it's been a lot of fun. People are loving them. You can follow the Instagram, check out the, check it out over at onkenhat.com as well. So with that, let's dive into today's episode. We finally got Nick nervous. All right. All right. Seek discomfort. We're seeking discomfort right now in the in the words, in the space of vulnerability and learning to be more vulnerable online. We're back. We're back. Eleven and I are back here talking about blurring the lines between the muse and the artist. And you're the artist and the muse, and I'm the artist and the muse as well, to be clear. Yeah. So that's been an interesting relationship just in and of itself since 
since we've known each other. So I guess maybe we should probably rewind and tell a little bit more of the backstory of how we met, you know, because we didn't really touch too much on it on the last episode. So yeah, we met back in, we can co, we can co-tell this story. Yeah, I don't even know what year that was. 2000... It was like 12 or 14 or something like that. 2013 or 2014. Yeah, we met through a mutual friend of ours, Scooter Braun. And one of his artists, we got... We were shooting Tori Kelly. I was shooting. And you were doing hair and makeup. Makeup or hair and makeup? Yeah, I think both that day. Yeah, I actually knew who you were already. Meaning I didn't know you. I just knew who you were. Because my cousin, Adam Bartlett was a big fan of you. And I think it was like at a really, really, not that it hasn't been now, but I'm just saying it's been, it was like at a really, really peak time of your career too. Lots of travel, lots of shoots. It was like really epic. And I I remember going on set and feeling very intimidated. Not only of course that it was one of Scooter's artists. And so there was that, you know, Tori and it was for like Teen Vogue, I believe. But I remember this whole thing about, oh, Nick Onkin is literally one of my most favorite photographers and my cousin and I are close. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, great. And I remember being really intimidated to meet you. And then I walked on set and you were so chill. And I was like, thank God. Because <laughs> you never know. Photographers can be quite, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Photographers can be dicks. <laughs> That's probably a, the game has changed quite a bit, I think. But I've always been of the belief that I want everyone to have a good time on set. And, you know, our jobs are already fun. Why not make it more fun? So I try to be as chill and as fun as possible when we're on set and having fun. And, you know, we're create we're all getting to create together. So I'm glad I, I came off as as a chill chill photographer at that point yeah like you knew what you wanted but it wasn't like you know you were very kind about it so you had a very inviting presence it wasn't like abrupt or anything so i was like okay cool and it just made all of us on set just feel really comfortable so i remember being like okay cool all right my friend i want to tell you about today's sponsor and it is one of my favorite brands organifi Uh, As you know, I'm all about putting healthy things into my body and using different supplements and things to get the nutrients that I need uh, when I can't always have access to them through other means of vegetables and things like that. So one of my favorite uh, mixtures is something that I like to mix three of their products together. It's the pure, the red juice and the green juices. And it's a power pack of nutrients in the morning. Um, So I've been doing this every morning and what's been great is I've been taking it on my travels so that I can keep some daily nutrients with me, especially when it's a very travel schedule. I don't always have access to foods that I want to eat. So it's a great staple, great way to um, bring things on the road. They have little travel packs too, which is perfect. So you can just drop them in, mix them with water and they're delicious. Less than three grams of sugar, uh, which is very, very little and it's all organic Either way, no processed sugars. Uh, So the green juice, which is great, is just you get your daily doses, your daily dose of nutrients that you need. You just mix it with water. There's 11 superfoods like ashwagandha, morninga, chlorella, spirulina, turmeric, and much more. The red juice is a superfood berry blend that contains adaptogens, antioxidants, and a clinical dose of cordyceps mushrooms, which is highly, highly beneficial to you. There's 13 superfoods for energy support like 
beets, blueberries, acai, pomegranate, Siberian ginseng, reishi, mushrooms, rhodiola, and more. So it gives you a bunch of energy without the caffeine. Um, and then Pure. Uh, Pure is about promoting gut health and the morning brain fog is very helpful. It promotes healthy BDNF levels and mental clarity. For those of you that don't know what that is, I didn't. I had to look this up. Uh, brain-derived neurotropic factor. It's the key molecule involved in plastic changes related to learning and memory. So neuroplasticity, things like that. Uh, what's great, it's infused with lion's mane and coffee berry. Got baobab from an African fruit that contains 10 times the amount of vitamin C that oranges do. It's got apple cider vinegar to improve gut health. Contains all kinds of other goodies like aloe vera, ginger root, monk fruit, digestive enzymes, and more. So you can go check this out, uh, Organifi.com. That's with an I uh, at the end, not a Y. And you can use the code ONKEN, O-N-K-E-N, for 15% off at checkout. And then, yeah, you and I exchanged numbers. And I think, who knows what was going on in the dating life <laughs> at that point for me. But I remember we had commonality also with MITT, Mastery and Transformational Training. That's right. Emotional intelligence and leadership training out in LA that I was really big into for a few years. And I mean, that it was so great for me. I mean, that was a huge monumental eye-opening experience and expanding my own thought constructs and, and life. It's basically like group therapy. If in case anyone's wondering like, what the hell are they talking about? It was basically like group therapy with a four letter word, like, or four letter, uh, what do you call it? Acronym. Acronym. (laughs) M-I-T-T. Mastery and transformational training. And it is. It's emotional intelligence, group effectiveness training, and it's fucking profound. And I did it as well. And Nick and I had that in common. At the same time, we were kind of going through the initiation, if you want to call them that. And uh, so we had that in common Who enrolled you? Corey was my angel. My ex-husband. Wow. Okay. 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 All right. All right. (laughs) Yeah. We... Yeah. It was interesting. Like, so we kind of... We kind of went on a couple dates. Yeah. yeah. And then you asked me, yeah. So then you like asked me on a couple dates and I was like, okay. I was like, and I was still nervous about that. I was like, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> Cause I was like, you didn't live here. So I was like, okay. So this isn't obviously going to turn into anything serious really. Yeah. Cause I was like, he doesn't live here. And I just was young and also just like in my saga with Corey. And you know, it's funny though. It's just like, I, I'm like, I don't live, like, I feel like I'm a, such a world global yeah, citizen yeah, yeah. that like, oh yeah, popped trip to LA. I was at that time too. I was going out to LA like every other, every two weeks, every other week because yeah, of either so totally shoots. Yeah. I just was not thinking that. I know. Yeah. It's funny that you say that. Cause I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah. For me, it's just like going to LA is like a, just like normal. It's just like a six hour commute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I was definitely living in a different vibration where I was like, I don't know what this means exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I necessarily even knew what that means. You know, I was like, and then I was like, oh man, she's so Christian. (laughs) I was like, she's so gorgeous and so awesome and such a great human, but she's so Christian and I just, I can't. So what was it that I said out of curiosity? What was it that I said that, like, I'm just curious to get back into that. I mean, you were just talking a lot about church and a lot about uh, Jesus and, you know, Jesus dying for your sins. No, and, yes, you no, were. You I did 
not. I would never. Not ever did I ever do that. That's actually totally a figment of your imagination. Okay, maybe it was. People, but once no, you said church, I that's where my that's where my died. For, I wasn't ever that kind of Christian. No chance. That one I will not give you because that can't be. That was not it. Okay, maybe that's where I'm just like. Where, wow. <laughs> that's that's maybe where maybe my mind went to when you were like super serious. You did talk about church a lot. I mean, I was probably at that time going to Judas Church, yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, well, okay. Okay. I don't know if this is this is my thing. I've been I grew up in the church and I was just like I, I don't think it did well for my nervous system at that point. Yeah. Which is so <laughs> funny to think about now because now I feel like I'm stretching you. Oh, you totally are, but it's <laughs> the best ways possible. Right. It's just a fun dance, you know, because at first I was just like in the program, in the rigmarole, and you were like, had transcended that, and I hadn't yet. Yeah. You know, or I had, and then I went back, and that's the whole thing. Yeah. But so. it was still, the program was still there. Oh, deeply. Deeply. Deeply, 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 yeah. And it's interesting how that just, that program is so, I feel so limiting. It's been, it was so limiting for me. Just growing up with so much, you know, it's all I knew, but it was also so much oppression and like judgment, you know, it's so much like, it's like unconditional, conditional love mm. is what I felt like I experienced growing up in the church. That's a great way to put that. Yeah, because there was so much judgment and and I get it. Like I was there and I even dated somebody who I ended up breaking up with because they weren't a Christian. This was like, obviously when I was going through my process and, and that was interesting. I have felt such a tug and like, I was so torn inside because, you know, I really like this person yet my whole construct, my whole narrative created so much internal guilt for me, like so much dissonance, cognitive dissonance and guilt that I just couldn't be in that mm. relationship. And, you know, turns out further down the road that you know there was probably other things that were at play within the, that person's personality that didn't really work for me as well but it was just interesting you mean you didn't want to be like the 24 year old young worship leader married with three kids already and like to your beloved wife <laughs> in a fully monogamous relationship no well not you mean, i mean that was oh. a dream at one point oh, to be honest yeah same same I yeah that was the i mean yeah thing. i led worship in church you know i, I mean <laughs> I we know the worship leader. we all we all know oh. about you and your uh your christian church worship leaders oh my gosh i know what is it i just have this thing for christian worship leaders right now yeah like right now there's like a few archetypes that keep finding my way and they're people that have transcended all this and it's just been an interesting thing where i'm like i know how to pick them <laughs> You know, it's like every, it's like, yeah, it's just been fun to see that happen. So funny. Yeah. So funny. So we, what, we, uh, went to night market. You took me on a date to night market. Uh -huh. It's a cool Thai place. And said so you thought I was too Christian. And then we went on one other date to like a juice place. I remember, remember it was like that cool, like little juice place. And I remember sitting there and then like, there was just no like, because I, I just was confused too because I was like, okay, well, I don't really know where this is going to go necessarily. So I didn't have any expectations, which is great. Right. Really. Like, well, that's not a bad thing. And then I just remember you like kissing me, but it was just like this little – and then like we walked away and then I was like, cool. And then so there was no hard feeling, no nothing. But we really didn't talk after that very much. Right. 
literally for years. <laughs> yeah, I think it was years. And then you got years. married. <laughs> and then I got married. And then how did we start? I don't know. You. Because uh, now moving forward, you're like my best friend. You're like one of my humans. Yeah. And so how did we get from not talking for several years to? Well, I think it was Instagram. Like, I think you popped up, you responded to something on a post or a story or something. And then we were like, oh, we should catch up. And then I remember we got, I called you on FaceTime and you were hanging, you were hanging out with Nadav. Oh my god! When you guys were filming. And I, that was the first time like we reconnected back like two years ago. That's what it was. <laughs> I was dating. Yeah. I was dating Nadav for a hot second and yeah, before Emmy. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. That's how that happened. Yeah. And then we started chatting and then you started dating Emmy shortly thereafter that but we hadn't seen each other for a while because like I hadn't been out there in the time that we had like talked and the time that you started dating Emmy yeah so we just did a lot of FaceTime calls for like hours yeah that's been our like whole thing is like we just we dive deep into conspiracy theories and fun cosmic <laughs> shit cosmic shit creative <laughs> shit <laughs> <laughs> all the things life yeah which is why we're here right now mm -hmm. and talking about this stuff and and we yeah so like what you were dating emmy all of last year or for or for what yeah, 18 months before, for two couple yeah. months we did it for like a year and a half a little longer and nick was such a huge part of capturing the beauty of our relationship which was so cool you yeah you did you shot us a few times and we had just these gorgeous photos of us and you were also like there to like hold space for me when I was like crying and like moving through it and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so then when we broke up yeah like you know whatever it doesn't matter the timeline but broke up and then you you know were one of my closest humans so I was just processing and you would hold a lot of space as I was navigating through what that meant and yeah September oh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, meanwhile, I had this whole oh, right. love. <laughs> I don't what even. I don't even know what I want to even An call adventure. it. A love adventure last year, where I found I met someone, and we had this deep, crazy chemistry that I've never really felt before, and had to move through letting go of her a couple times, and. You know, so you were there, like you, you I were, was letting go. You, was, you, you were, were there. Go. We were like talking about all of yeah. this stuff together and moving through it together and holding space for each other and and oh, and then okay, wait, before before here, wait, this is an important story to tell. Before said adventure that you went down, remember? So we went on a trip to my house in Joshua Tree. Oh yeah. So that was a, a pivotal moment. So I was dating Emmy. I had a house in Joshua Tree that I was living at two bedrooms. So I said, Hey Nick, why don't you come in? And I was like, why don't you come out to my house in Joshua tree and we'll just like create and play and have fun in the desert. And then I remember my partner, Emmy being like, so, but are you and Nick? Like, you're not like, you know? And I was like, no, babe, I have two bedrooms. He's going to stay in the other bedroom. Like it's fine. <laughs> and she was like, okay. Like she doesn't really care either way, but just open communication. So yeah. And I was yeah. like, no, no, no. Like he's my best friend. And I remember sitting with you at crossroads, the food place there and you were moving through, which is, I think, a really cool topic to talk about because this has now been really powerful for me to witness in you, was this the story <laughs> that now you, you're definitely transcending, which is really cool, was the story of like 
an Asian American male not being somebody that are not being an archetype that people are super celebratory of or like really, you know, I don't know. You you take it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I wrote an article, a blog article that you can read a little bit deeper on in this, but to just kind of like sum it all up, I was, well, we can, we can talk a little bit more about this because it was like, it is, it's a, such a relevant thing today. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I was looking at it from a very observational space, but like, I think when we were talking about it back in Joshua Tree, it was very in my orbit, very mm-hmm. in my sphere. So I was just trying to like make sense of things, which you brought some things to light for me, which is great. But the idea that Asian males in American culture are not seen as sexy and iconic. And this is something that's been programmed through Hollywood and, the, and you know, and I, as I've done more research into it, you know, like this was something that Bruce Lee was actually really trying to break mm. before he died. And I mean, there's even theories into like whether he actually just died or f- that no this is real really? yeah and i just watched the bruce lee documentary be water on Wait, espn that, that was on there yeah i watched it on the plane it's on the plane it is on the plane and it was it really talked about how he was trying to craft this narrative in hollywood and he was he had to fight for it he had a fucking wow. fight for it and he made a little bit of headway but then he died right but the thing is, is like Asian men were always seen as either the Kung Fu master or the funny man. There was no like iconic, like Asian, Asian males. And up until Crazy Rich Asians, right, right. which that's a whole nother story. Bless John Chu. John Chu. Love, love that you. guy. Love Kevin Kwan as well. Shout out to Kevin. He, he, both him and John really made some moves. I'll talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. But with the Asian male thing, like if you think about if you just think iconic household names that are sexy role models in today's culture, you think white male, white female, black male, black females, and then you think then then it's probably Hispanic male, Hispanic female, and I then mean, you get down generous. to like I don't think of anything other than probably white people. I <laughs> mean, just like as far as what the societal would say, right? I think but, even saying black or Hispanic, I mean, who? But like, I mean, think about black male actors. Well, yeah, you I'm can just think saying, of a lot of those off of the top of your head. Sure, but I think it is strongly white. Archetypes. Oh, it's highly predominantly like, like I don't eighty percent white Hispanic archetypes that fit that. You know what I mean? Meaning, I don't think of Asians either. I'm just saying, like, yeah, you know what I mean. I think it's predominantly white. Right? Yeah, and then Asians are at the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah, like Asian yeah, yeah. women are higher than men. Yeah, because you think of like household names that are Asian women, Lucy Liu and Sandra Oh, and all these different female yeah, Asian that's archetypes. Only a few, dude. That's so and, crazy. But like, name one iconic Asian male besides Bruce Lee. That you can name off Jackie the top of your head. Chan. Kung Fu artist. Does yeah. he come off as like sexy Asian man? No, he's he's always in my it, Jackie yeah, Chan. Yeah, definitely not. No. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of Jet Li, but they're not like Jet Li. Remember him? Yeah, of course. Well, yeah. so here's one thing too that I just want to mention. What's so I'm part Chinese as well. Yeah. And so I think I had like a very tender spot when I would see you kind of stuck in that story because my grandfather is from Hong Kong. And so I've just always had, you know, also Asian American men, my uncles that raised me, and they were very, 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 
there was racism against them in Mexico because they grew up in Mexico. So there was a lot of deep alchemy that happened in my family as well. Yeah. So when I saw that story running through your script, I was like, oh, hell no. I'm going to stand for this one. I was like, Nick, you are sexy. We're sitting in the middle of Crossroads at this <laughs> restaurant. And I was like, you think you're not sexy? I was like, you are sexy. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what is this story that's being run through your script? This is not true. And yeah, to see you transcend and kind of like evolve even, that was about what, a year and a half ago, two, yeah. almost two years ago? Well, and I think the thing that put it in my face was the dating apps. And like, I just uh, like, I because it was so in my face, the data is like screaming me in the face. I, I deleted all of them. I don't do dating apps. They're just not for me now. Mm-hmm. But I was on them last year and I just like, it was almost depressing, you know, because I'd, I would be communicating with a few people but I was never really like oh yeah like I really would love it and then like I would have like two or three you know I think on one of them like hinge or something like that you have like a you can see who liked you and it's got like and I was like yeah I'd have a couple on there and then I I have some really like you know good friends of mine who are white males and they would show me screenshots of their app and I was like wait this is a whole different app mm like whole different. I mean, you're talking like 20, 30 likes, 15, 20 conversations going at once. And I'm like, I have like two or three and I'm like, wait, what? It, what what's going on here? And then I started looking into it and researching it. And it is like statistically data wise, there's articles written on this about Asian men and black women are the least swiped right in dating apps, all of them. That's statistically, I mean, they have the data. Wow. Yeah. So it was just interesting to, you know, when we were in that orbit in Joshua Tree, I was like in kind of that research phase of that space. I was kind of like, oh, man, like what? You know, that's how I was feeling that. Mm -hmm. So thank you for bringing that to light for me. Mm -hmm. And we did a card reading. I was like, okay, Nick, here's what we're going to do. I was like, we're going to do a card reading. We're going to call in a star seed being to be, you know, to... (laughs) <laughs> walk with you or whatever we did a whole card reading like a card spread and um yeah that's my highest excitement i see people and so i just saw you and i was like what this is not a true story yeah so i think you being an architect and then having other friends coming in like everett and where you guys are co-creating just a new narrative is really inspiring and encouraging for me because you guys are fucking samurai and so dope and so hot and it's going to be so cool to watch this script being flipped you know, because it's all coming back into a really interesting yeah. alignment. <laughs> yeah, and I think this is something I want to do with Everett is, it, you know, as Asian males, you know, how can we inspire and create more inner alchemy for other Asian males mm-hmm. out there? Because that's what it comes down to is is the inner alchemy of believing who we are and changing and flipping the script. I thought of an, I thought of an Asian one, a sexy Asian open Gangnam style dude, dude, dude. come on Sai is, is he really sexy I think I got to hang out with Sai Scooter introduced me to Sai once and I was like he's like you're not gonna know who he is tonight but tomorrow and the <laughs> whole world went ballistic so I got to party with Sai for like 10 minutes <laughs> for like a night before um, he became that's so the funny. Gangnam style man you know what's funny is the first time I met I hung out with Scooter and met Justin. We went from like Justin recording in the studio to the Clippers game. <laughs> and we literally like walked up all together onto the ramp, onto the court side. And we were walking in and everybody thought that I was Psy, which is fucking <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I was like, 
ju- what just because I'm an Asian <laughs> what? male? That's funny shit. So weird, but you know, there again, all us Asians, we just tend to look the same. Oh man! <laughs> Granted, I think a lot of like white guys all look the same too. So oh, for sure, <laughs> Chad. Every Chad looks the exact same. Yeah. Come on, Chad. You all look the same. What about Mister Tulum? They all. <laughs> all these archetypes, man. They're all avatars. It's all funny. Anyways, so I mean, kind of jumping back into where we were, right? Like, so. That was another space of creation for the two of us. I think we've shot a little bit before, but you've definitely always been a huge muse of mine. I just love your creativity, what you bring to the table in your own, like the way that you style, the way that you do hair and makeup and the ideas that you have. And so as a photographer, that's always been super fun to collaborate with because you know, especially since we're now we're on such a similar wavelength of the following the rabbit, white rabbit down, down the spiritual rabbit hole and, and, and communing with divine intelligence and, and, and all of that. So I think like we do have this like very kindred creative relationship, which has been beautiful. Wait, are you on the pattern? I am on I the think pattern. I did this with us before. Okay, I'm gonna open up the pattern and I was gonna I think that said something about past life karmic shit would make which would make sense if we run the bond between you and I. If you guys don't have the pattern, get the pattern. But okay, I'm gonna run it between eleven and Nick on again. Yeah, I think it said past life, which would make sense because I'm telling you, dude, I think we've I mean, obviously we know this. We've been doing this before. Yeah, see it says unique. Past life karmic links. I knew it. Okay, so it says, it could feel like you and Nick have been friends for a long time. Right away, you have felt loyal to each other. Like there's a built-in sense of camaraderie. Not only might you both feel safe opening up to each other, but you could also find that you feel motivated and supported around each other. It may feel like you two are meant to be in each other's lives. Go deeper. It's like your friendship is built on something you can trust. Yeah, okay, this pattern is a past life karmic link. So there's a natural ease and comfort in your dynamic. You feel safe to open up to each other. Yeah, I'd say that's fairly pretty much accurate. So this is what I'm saying. We've been traversing this space for a long time. So we met again. We're immortal bitches. <laughs> we're back. Hello, immortality's in my gene keys. I've been doing this a long time and we're back again. So I said when I saw you and Everett together when we were in Sedona, which that land is so activated for me for obvious reasons that we don't need to get into. Like it's just the ley lines, everything. I just feel very connected there. Everett, the creator, we'll put him in the show notes, another Asian male friend, wizard of ours, holy yeah, goddess. He's, he's a amazing. G. I love that guy. And I had both of you there and there was something, in, I'm not kidding, I felt like a Power Ranger or something or like this like samurai, I felt like these two samurais just like showed up and it was like these protectors and it felt like I'm not kidding. It was like an other like out of body experience for a moment, having you two there and then myself there who is also, you know, partially Asian. Yeah. Yeah. Something activated and I was like, whoa, this is going to be crazy. Super really crazy. Cool. Well, I'm super, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you introduced me to him and I'm looking forward to creating some cool, cool, cool art. Mm-hmm. Cool art. That sounds so cliche. <laughs> I'm like, it's going to be much deeper than that. Much deeper. We're doing deep ceremonial ritual. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So let's rewind a little bit. Let's talk about the, the dynamic of the muse and the artist and A, what does that mean to you? 
because the muse is, there's so many different ideas and depictions of the muse. I mean, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about the muse as in the creative muse, but then like, I think as, you know, as a photographer as well, like the muse comes out through the talent and through the person, the, the embodiment. And I love it. Like it's, it's, that's where the magic happens. I always go back to when I think of characters that have embodied the artist and the muse, I oftentimes find myself going back to Andy Warhol and Edie Sedgwick. If you haven't seen the movie Factory Girl or just like study their dynamic. One of my favorites. Dude. So good. I mean, listen, <laughs> and he had lots of muses, right? But like she was definitely an ultimate of his. And I channel her consciousness often. Listen, I don't want to be like, you know, overdosing on drugs, but I just loved who she was in every sense of her being. She just showed up and she was the light of the room and just such a flirt, kind of like Marilyn Monroe also had tinges of that. She was kind of like Marilyn Monroe and Audrey Hepburn in a blender for the time that she came out. And Mm. I think she channeled both of them in a really beautiful way. And um, so now I'm putting Edie Sedgwick and David Bowie in a blender. You know, I'm like this shapeshifter alien being mixed with this muse, Edie Sedgwick kind of, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that even means, but that's what 11 is to me. And so I would say between you and I, it's been fun to co-create because you are my muse too. So it's so cool because I get inspired just the same by you. And I love to even be behind the camera shooting you as well. Um, I think it's a little heavier on the other end, but it's still, nonetheless, it's still that exchange. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I love the container that we create for creativity and it's continuing to evolve. And so there was this moment where I was like, huh, you know, I mean, I had been broken up for a couple months. We had been chatting about this whole thing and a dear friend of mine, my business partner and sister, Kat Ross, I was just talking about you and I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like Nick and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, yeah, so what's up with you and Nick? I was like, well, what do you mean? What's up with me and Nick? She goes, well, what's up with you guys, huh? I was like, well, what do you mean? He's my best friend. <laughs> and this is only a few months ago. And she was like, yeah, I don't know. It just, you, he just seems like he's like the male version of you in a lot of ways. And um, I was like, yeah, exactly. Like he, he's just like my dear friend. She goes, well, what, what would happen if it wasn't just that? And I was like, what? And I honestly hadn't even picked that up. I was so obviously still dealing with all like my heart with the Emmy thing. But then also I I didn't know how to answer the question. And that's why I was kind of like, hmm. So then I had like two IPA beers and then I called you. And I was like, so Nick. (laughs) You're really cute, by the way. (laughs) Honestly, I had no idea that was coming. I know. I was like, hey, so I'm drinking a couple of beers. I was like, first of all, you're drinking a couple of beers. Like, you're drinking? Okay. You're like, you don't drink that much. And I was like, yeah, I'm drinking beers. I was like, so I have something to tell you. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And then I was like, hey, I just want you to know I'm open to all possibilities at all times. And you're like, what? What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? I was like, I kind of had like not even put that in my radar because you've always been with Emmy and I just you know, had always seen you as someone as a good friend, but also just wanting to be more with women mm-hmm. and still true, still true. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I just was like, Oh, okay. I'm open to it. Yeah. I like this idea. 
I don't know if I have any <laughs> crazy expectations for it, but you know, I'm open to it and I, I'm, I'm down to explore that. And, and then I, and then we were having phone calls up into, and then we were like planning this trip to Sedona. It's like, there's a big lead up guys. There's a big lead up. <laughs> so we're like, okay, so we don't know what this means. And then I was like, okay, so what's coming up for you? Okay. And we've been navigating through this exact conversation actually for a couple months now. And I said, Nick, I think this is a podcast, dude. I was like, this is good stuff because we're dealing with sexual identity, just identity, creative alchemy or creative what do you call it? Identity I, I, alchemy. Identity alchemy, yeah. That's identity alchemy, alchemy in general mixed with sexual identity, mixed with like a lot of different processes that, you know, and then a kindred relationship with best friends and the artist and the muse. We're blurring the lines between the artist and the muse in a really potent and powerful way that I just wanted to invite people in on the process of. And so thank you for saying yes. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think one of the biggest things to learn through that I've learned through this, I've been learning, still I'm learning. And speaking of seeking discomfort is communication mm -hmm. and being able to talk about all this stuff in an open communication way or in a way of, in a space of open communication mm -hmm. with each other, with other people involved in our orbits. Mm -hmm. And that's been interesting and and challenging and mean all the meanwhile creating, right? So we went to Sedona and we met up for the first time after having these distant FaceTime discussions. <laughs> and yeah, we were gonna be like sharing a bed, which we never have done. No. So I was like, okay, we're sharing a bed. Okay, we're going to be doing this whole... I was like, okay. So it was like the first thing I just remember was like... Because I was like, so do you care if I'm like in here while you shower? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, probably. I was like, okay. And then I'm we like, like slowly moved through that and like got over that. But it's still, it's an interesting thing. It's like little kids, you know, like yeah. feeling safe and, you know, all those things. Yeah. We jumped in the pool. Oh, yeah. And then I jumped in, we jumped in the pool naked. So that was like a great icebreaker, pun intended. And then I broke my foot and I was going to, I slipped. <laughs> there was a whole clip of that. I recorded, we recorded ourselves jumping into Drew Canoli's organic, Mr. Organify. <laughs> yeah. We stayed at Drew's house. So jumping into his pool naked and I ate shit. And yeah. Yeah. That was, that was funny. Uh, that was, that was amusing. Cause you were, we were all like, it was freezing. We're trying to jump into a yeah. freezing cold yeah, pool cold. in the middle of winter in Sedona. But I guess what, what we we met up, we, you got into town and <laughs> what even happened? Well, I think, you know, it was like, okay, because we were texting each other. And I was like, yeah, I'm excited to snuggle. And that was like definitely not how our conversations ever went before so i think that was like opening up an entirely new vibration of like our relationship at all because it was always just like you're my friend totally and like come to joshua tree but it was like staying in a different room and it wasn't like super affectionate because i'm working through a lot of distrust in the masculine this is like well we'll get into later but just yeah like feeling safe about being like okay like of course my deep desire is to be like extremely affectionate with all of my friends whether female or male and I find myself withholding a lot because whether it's a female and I don't want them to think I'm trying to come on to them or it's a male because I don't want them to think I'm trying to come on to them so same shit you know so it's yeah. been an interesting thing for me to like blur those lines 
It's a different thing to navigate for sure. I mean, our society and our culture has created a construct where that's not okay. And it, it speaks differently. And I mean, even go to, you go to a culture like India where actually it's normal for men that are friends to just hold hands. And that's an interesting factor. So it goes to show you how much we're shaped and molded by societal constructs. I mean, that's a whole nother podcast. I feel like we can go into, it's just like, you know, challenging those constructs. And I think for me, this whole thing has been very much a challenge in my own belief systems and constructs and navigation of my feelings and navigation of your feelings and navigation of like other people's Mm. feelings altogether. But also like, I think in the space of creation, it opened up a new space of creativity Mm -hmm. for both of us Mm -hmm. to be able to become more free and occupying space with each other. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, do you, okay. So, so, and there was a night where we definitely like explored like outside of just like a (laughs) friendship container. And I mean, I don't know, like I'm pretty transparent. So you can share from your experience of like how that felt for you. <laughs> or let like, you see, I just put it on you. <laughs> You're like, and yeah, so. I, I mean, I, you know, I for me, first of all, going into all of this, like, haven't really had any expectations, especially knowing where who you are and where you're at, and especially knowing we've talked in depth about your feelings with the masculine and and feeling safe and things like that. So for me, I felt you know I've been very very cautious in yeah. that in that respect and so it has it was kind of this dance of okay well what's what's comfortable here what's not how are you feeling how do we you know it's like what is what does that look like I mean for me you know I think for an evening it was it was, it was beautiful mm-hmm. and I liked it and I enjoyed it and I felt very connected with you and I think for me, it was like, oh, this is this is really nice. This is really, you know, it's because we have all this other, other chemistry, creative chemistry and all this stuff. And then to have this extra little layer on top of it felt really good. Mm-hmm. Felt really good. I don't know how to feel for you. <laughs> it yeah, it did. It did. And I think my hesitation and what we're working through currently is... I was because like listen, I hadn't had like any sort of. I had been in a really fixed space where I was like, I'm only dating females, or specifically Emmy. Really, like I was in a closed container with her for so long and hadn't really entertained any sort of experience with the masculine in years, except for like I had kind of been seeing very briefly this other gentleman that came in, and I was very very transparent with him as well and saying like, hey, this is very very challenging for me because like this is I am working through just what I'm listening to my body and I'm just trying to make sense and I I've never identified as gay ever really in my life I've always been fluid and so I've always you know whether it was saying bisexual which I never really like to say but saying fluid feels really good and um yeah I think I think for you and I because we had been friends for so long I've never done that so I've had a lot of I mean it's not my first radio guy like I'm 34 I've had guy friends like where I'm really dear friends with them and I could tell that if I ever opened it up they would definitely be open to that but I always kept it very you know strong boundaries around that so this is the first time ever 
that I've done this. I normally completely keep it platonic and friendly because I just don't want to overpromise and underdeliver, I guess. And uh, so, yeah, a little bit of that was coming up for me because I was like, oh, no, like, what if I don't know? You know, I just don't want to like. Right. It's the th things of like, I don't want, it's not like lead him on. Cause I know we're very clear about communication, but I don't know. It was just like a lot of different stuff coming up. And then your friends in Sedona were like, <laughs> God bless them and saying, you guys make such a great couple. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, Oh no. Like I hope, and I knew you are there. Like I know that we communicate. And so that's just naturally what people do. Yeah. I mean, cause we do look pretty good together we and we interact together. very well together and we do have like great dynamic presence together mm -hmm. even just walking down the street so it does it feels there's a space of that that feels very beautiful and very expansive and very i, I don't even know the word for it but um yeah. there's a certain level of truthfulness to that for mm -hmm. me and whatever that looks like i yep. mean just yep. like the the 3d schematics of it <laughs> yeah 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 and i think you know myself just navigating through like a really deep beloved relationship and this is what you and i stayed up till wee hours in the morning last night talking through <laughs> and i had smoked a little indica and i was like like going on and on and on and on i was like nick is this like a monologue i'm sorry i'm kind of like process verbally processing quite a lot and I just really want to make sure that you know I'm like really not showing up and like hurting your heart but then also like taking care of myself and like how do I because I've been a you know in the past a people pleaser and just kind of like holding other people's hearts above my own and trying to just like really navigate through you know this past relationship that now is kind of being reopened with Emmy and like navigating through what this all means and and then there's like other, you know, archetypes that I'm entertaining. So like, I'm really blurring a lot of lines around here and I'm like, whoa. And then you too have another, you know, fun couple <laughs> adventures happening. So we're just dating. Yeah. We're all just dating and getting to know one another and figuring out what. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think we can go dig a little deeper too. Like when after Sedona, cause we went to Tucson and did a beautiful photo shoot. Yeah, we um, secretly, hey mom, I know you're going to be listening to this. Nick and I microdosed on mushrooms and then I took him to Tombstone, Arizona with my mom and my brother and they didn't oh know we God, were microdosing. Oh my God, I forgot. I was so We lit. were flying <laughs> and we were like just having a great time living as leads in our own journey and just like shooting at this like saloon town and I'm just like <laughs> flying around in my little like pink satin dress, which now Eleven would never wear. So I was just like letting go of like the last Lynette Sine stuff and like I don't see Eleven. Well, maybe. maybe oh, I was going to say, I was like, I think Eleven could pull that off. I don't know. I don't I know. Think Eleven is Done it in a different way. Maybe. Maybe with like some radical like space boots or something. I, I was I just going to say some yeah. like futuristic Tron boots would be Yeah. Amazing. Maybe. I just, I'm not feeling dresses right now. Feeling way more. That's fair. Andrew, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, so... Went to Sedona. Or, uh, I went to Tombstone, Tombstone and then we came back and we shot. You met like my whole family. You met my mom and my dad. We FaceTimed <laughs> your mom and dad. Like it was definitely like a lot of different <laughs> barriers broken. I was like, okay. Yeah. Like a hour long conversation with your parents on FaceTime. You met my dad. Uh, yeah. And he talked about Flat Earth. <laughs> yep. Shout out Ellen Roscoe. He goes for it. I love it, dude. I love it. He's probably right, honestly. Yeah, Another podcast. Yeah. So... <laughs> 
met your grandmother. You met my nana. Who is so who shot adorable. In a hat. I put her in my hat. <laughs> so cute. So good. And those are some of the best photos. We channeled like some David Bowie. Yeah. So we shot a hotel Congress, which, you know, was cool because it's, it's the, well, the hotel was kind of like, mm, I don't know. It was a great <laughs> place to shoot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shot in the bathtub. Yeah. Did this whole David Bowie inspired. Rolling Stone. Show. Rolling Stone. Shot some. Oh, yeah. So we shot nudes. Yeah. We shot nudes. So had we had not explored a little bit like of our dynamic relationally <laughs> using interesting words <laughs> i mean i'm just gonna say we didn't have sex but we like hooked up right okay so i'm like let's just fair point i like to just say it all okay so i'm like but we were exploring and uh then i felt comfortable i was like listen i run around naked all the time like i feel really comfortable in my spacesuit, and i love to not be like who told you you were naked is what i yeah. ask of all of you who told you you were naked right you also um, have a great spacesuit, so hey thanks yeah <laughs> <laughs> so then then yeah we got through that barrier and so we shot some nudes which i've been exploring more with and other photographers when it was like really cool to like transcend that space with you and where they all go who knows they might just end up on a hard drive for the archives later don't know but yeah we did a couple of those and all the while on that trip definitely a super affectionate Kissing, not a lot of like super making it hot and heavy making out, but just like endearing, sweet, right? Yeah. Like affection. Yeah. yeah. But I definitely felt you pull back a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> definitely felt that. After the first night of like exploring, I was like, <gasps> yeah. I was like, Hold on. I don't know if this is. You're like, this is too much. So, am I like, sh sh uh, this is, so this is what we chatted about last night, and, I, and I'll now share on the podcast. I am feeling into, I think what feels the most authentic for me is to explore sexually with those that identify as queer. And that's who I'm exploring with currently right now is there is a male archetype who identifies as, you know, queer or bi or whatever feels comfortable for him. And then also my beloved Emmy, we're back in another, you know, interesting dynamic and I'm very open to like exploring with other you know non-binary beings and um, just like opening that space up and so I think what came up for me is is that and that's what you and I were talking about late last night of just being like oh man like I don't it's totally not because this is it's not just you that I've closed that relationship with it's another archetype that was in my life that I was exploring sexually with and then I told him the same thing I said hey because he does not identify as queer either and I said I'm not I feel complete because I now just would like to explore that. So, and that was hard for me to get out. And I like was like dancing around it and like not being super transparent with Nick. And so finally last night has been like about a month long conversation. And then finally last night I was like, okay, I don't really know how else to say it, but this is what it is. And you're like, cool, crystal clear. Got it. <laughs> you're like, can you quit dancing around your shit and just say it? <laughs> well, this is what's interesting too is like, and this is where it shows that like radical honesty and transparency, which I appreciate. And I'm, grateful that you were able to get it out has been much more helpful because even over the last few weeks since we were in Sedona there has been this like unspoken but reading between the lines type of feeling from me like I, I could read that from you but I wasn't hearing it from you 
And, but I would hear you talk about these other archetypes in these grandiose ways, which also didn't really feel that good mm. because there was still like an openness to whatever we were exploring. So that was a little hard for me to hear throughout that without the clarity of mm. hearing it from you. And so as someone who's sitting before you with this crazy little shaved head, these little dangly earrings <laughs> and identify, you know, a dear kindred friend of yours, beloved. I love when you say my love, like we call each other. I'm like, how, how are you, my love? And I got that from my mother, by the way. My mom calls everyone her love. So anytime you get on the phone with B. Roscoe, hi, my love. So I do that with a lot of people. Yeah. And then, of course, when it's people that you really deeply actually have a kindred relationship with, then it's even more endearing. So Nick and I have always done that. It's like, hi, my love. How are you? And so it is this like beloved kindred relationship, but how does it feel for you, number one, to see this transition? Because remember I told you too, because like the Sedona trip was before this transition into 11. And I said to you, I was like, I can't really promise. I don't know what's coming through me, but it's definitely a shift. And I'd love to like, I said, if you want to experience the Lynette Snay avatar before, <laughs> before she expires. <laughs> um, yeah. And that was before. Yeah. And I didn't, I knew all of this going into it. So it was, yeah, I was kind of like, I didn't either. I don't think we'll yeah. see. We'll see what happens. We'll see where this goes, but grateful for the experience. And, you know, but I, I definitely think this has all helped my own creative process. I don't know if it's helped your creative process, but for me, it's been interesting to explore the lines of communication mm -hmm. and, you know, push pushes me into communicating deeper and more transparent and more truthful with people, mm -hmm. which I'm trying to push myself, as you were saying, for your, for yourself is, is being more in speaking and being in more of your truth mm. versus succumbing to what other people want or trying to please them. So sacrificing your truth for what other people want or how other people feel. Yeah. One thing that I've learned in a couple of these like initiations, and I'm not going to get into too much detail, but just when I really dug deeper into consent and just like this dynamic between any archetypes, right? I think, you know, asking, and I'm not, I'm not, this is not a lesson for you. I'm just sharing with the audience more so. Um, and like asking, hey, can I put my arm around you? Hey, can I be affectionate with you? Hey, can I, you know, do you want to snuggle? Hey, and this is in different spaces that I think we just sometimes automatically assume. And let's say that person doesn't want that. So giving them the space to say, that's why they ask, you know, no, actually, I don't want to snuggle, <laughs> you know? Okay. And then the response, and this is what I've learned from different teachers has been, thank you for taking care of yourself. That's the response that you give someone that says, actually, no, thank you. Thank you for taking care of yourself. Yeah. And so if we could all show up in that way, wow. And that's like kind of a like whole other thing, but that's what I'm learning is to be like, am I crossing my own boundary? Because that's what's true for me right now. Since this transition, I'm like, wow, I really just want this. I'm also a recovering people pleaser. So Glennon Doyle talks a lot about this in her book, Untamed. And so I think a lot of the times I just like run things through the filter of like, let me make everyone else feel good around me. And then I cross my own boundaries often. And yeah. so I think you and I stayed up super late last night <laughs> trying to like, dive into this <laughs> and I felt I was like so this morning when we woke up I was like okay so how's your heart feeling <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah I mean I'm like okay got it clear <laughs> understand 
still processing, still practicing the art of letting go, mm. which I've had to do a lot this year. Seems to be a theme <laughs> this year, apparently. I mean, I guess probably everybody has, you know, yeah. I, I forget that there is some sort of like quote unquote pandemic happening out there where a lot of people are having to let go of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all have to let go of things, get to let go of things that are in the space that we need to. Mm -hmm. And I think relationships and expectations and different things are, it's all the learning process, you know, and, and that is the gift, right? Like this has been a gift and in all the situations, not just ours, but the other people in orbit mm -hmm. and it is i mean it's still you know we were talking about this yesterday earlier too is like how what's the, what's the the idea of being able to explain and and feel what you're feeling but also writing the story that is of the highest good right because like i can go and drop into this story of like oh you know i'm not good enough or not queer enough <laughs> or, you know, in, in any of these situations, but it's like, okay, yeah, that might be how I'm feeling for a hot second, but what is the story that I get to write that's and tell myself that is of healing and of, of growth and of future and of possibility. You know, I think that's where we all, with every situation, we have to look at it like that. However, and it is a process of alchemy to move through those feelings mm -hmm. and to move through the hurt and the pain and the frustration and the anger that a lot of situations bring up. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's definitely brought up some hurt and pain and mm -hmm. frustration and anger, you know, and I think a lot of that is just like, you know, coming to a space of radical responsibility of like, how am I sourcing this? how am I the one creating this? Where is the loop and the, and the subconscious story that I'm telling myself? What is that? You know, and I'm still exploring that. What is it that I'm creating this? And, you know, how can I create a new story and shift that is, is what's. And so what do you think? What do I think? Yeah. How can you create a new story? Well, I think part of it's moving through the feelings and then just, you know, as we were talking about this morning, it's like, okay, what can I sit down and write and like write out what I want across the board, not just in a relationship, but in general, like, what do I want to create in my life? What do I want to manifest and, and call into my life? I think it's a big piece of that. And then, you know, writing those down, writing affirmations down that create that for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing that you and I chatted about last night, and I think a lot of people will get a lot of insight from, is, you know, we were navigating through, okay, so can we still be affectionate? And I was like, hmm, I mean, like, listen, I'm down because I'm pretty good at kind of just like, I'm here, here's my truth. I just laid it out. And I'm like, can you? So I've been like, well, of course I want to still be like affectionate. And there's a lot of different stuff coming up, you know, because like you and Emmy are friends. And I was like, oh man, I just really want everyone to feel really good. That's also the whom I love, by the way. I know. You I do. love Emmy. I know you guys are dear friends. And so you guys sharing space in my ceremony was definitely unique because it was like right after the Sedona trip. It was just definitely some huge initiations to have that you know together and 
all of that to say, I think we're coming to a space of like, yeah, just communication, communicating through. So I was like, of course I want to still be affectionate with you, but I don't know if I'm like here in New York for the week and then we like snuggle all week. And I don't know. I just, I never want to put myself also in a position where, and I know you wouldn't. And you asked me last night, you're like, well, do you feel safe? I was like, of course I feel safe. I know you're never going to like cross anything without feeling like that that's welcomed. And at the same time, it's just true for me where I'm like, oh, I'm I'm pulling back definitely because I just don't want to, going back to that, over-promise, under-deliver. So it's just been right. interesting. We're here. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are clear. <laughs> so we can start from there. But also I think this is interesting in, in going into like future relationships because we we're also talking about earlier how it's like how can we create other friendships and other even more intimate friendships with people that add to our lives that, you know, and that obviously starts with open communication from the front end of getting into anything with anyone. Right. It's like, you know, it's like with you and Emmy, it's like, yeah, like Nick's going to be in my life forever. And I want to be able to say that to whomever I get into a relationship with. Yes. Oh, this is such a great thing to chat about just before we close out. Cause that's it. I lost so many of my best friends when I got married because then it became like a th- taboo thing of like, Oh, well you don't like go and hang out with like your guy friend by yourself because that's just not what you do when you're married. So I think beautifully said because, and I shared this with Nick, you know, and Emmy, Emmy knows that I'm a truth teller. So dating me, you just kind of got to get used to that. And yeah, there was a moment right after my birthday ceremony where, you know, she was definitely feeling, you know, some challenges coming up. And it was a heated moment where I put my foot down real hard. And I just said, you know, like Nick's going to be a part of my life. He's one of my humans. And like you either like that or get the fuck out. And it was like quite jolting for her because she's never seen me be that, you know, like, and I was like, no, like I knew I needed to put that boundary in place because I've also held that kind of space for her and her friends as well, that they have really unique setups as well. And um, yeah, we're navigating through a lot of different conversations of what does that look like? And not every single archetype is going to fill all of your buckets. So like, how can we live the most creatively and expressed and embodied lives and not put all of the pressure on like one singular partner as well? Yeah. Yeah. So true. Because I said, I was like, oh, Nick, when you do find like your beloved now, I'm going to be so bummed because then like, what if she's like triggered by me? And I was like, and then we're not going to be able to like shoot and go on like adventures. And like, I was like, oh, that like part of me, you know, is definitely mourning the loss of that. But I was like, no, that's a lame story. What if we just like all get what we want because we communicate really fucking well? That's way cooler. Yeah, way cooler. And a whole new space of exploring and understanding. And also, I think, yeah, understanding. And I think also a lot of that is inner alchemy, right? Because if we're not, if we're operating from traumas of jealousy and and hurt and pain and, and lack of trust, it's, it's that creating that kind of a dynamic is much more difficult. Mm-hmm. So I think both all parties, I should say both parties, all parties involved need to be able to transcend and openly communicate what people are feeling and, and what we're all feeling and move through it. And then we all get to create and have fun. Yes. More play, more play, play <laughs> more, play more. <laughs> yes. Well, this has been a very different podcast than I have ever done in, in my 100 and 200 episodes of podcasting. <laughs> Leave reviews if you would like to see more of Nick sharing more deeply transparent truths in his personal life. Yes. Leave it. Leave Aunt. comments. Five stars. 
five star reviews over on yes. whatever platform you're on. Yes, yes, yes. Share this um, if you lo- learn something from this about like opening up with like a friend or like whatever sort of things. Share this with friends, yeah. family members, loved ones. Tag us on the gram at Nick Gonkin at I, I am, am eleven. But eleven is E double one E L. Wait, no shit. <laughs> Every time it's so confusing. I'm sorry. I wish it was easier. Just it's I am eleven, but the instead of an L, it's two ones. Eleven, yeah, like eleven, eleven is within it. I am eleven. E one one E V E N. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Alkin Radio Podcast. I am your host Nick Alkin. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love it if you could help me out by leaving a good review over on Apple Podcasts or wherever, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast listening on. And uh, don't forget, if you wanted to learn more about identity alchemy and building your personal brand through visuals, you can uh, DM me over on Instagram, at Nick Onkin is my handle. Just DM me the words identity alchemy and I'll put you on the list for when we start releasing things and uh, you know what time it is it's time to go out create your life by creating every small moment and we'll see you next time